Welcome to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. Our host, Oscar and Dermo, will together with guests share proven, tested strategies for improving your life and business. At the end of each episode, you will learn how you can use technology to implement those strategies into your daily life. We want to help you bridge the gap from inspiration to implementation. Igor Adoris, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. Nice to meet yes. you again. So you now have the record. You surpassed Unestol on the number of times on this podcast. So Unestol <laughs> and Igor, you were sharing first place before three times. This is the fourth time you are here. So I'm, I'm very happy to talk to you again. And uh, for the listeners, if you haven't heard our previous conversations, I can really recommend it. Uh, the first episode, I go walking and talking with Igor. And uh, he shares a little bit about his background. And in the second, he shares more a little bit about his training methods. And in the third episode, we talked about Corona and dealing with fear and dealing with tough times. So now it's the fourth time and uh, we're going to talk about samurai mindset. And yes. another thing is that the first time you were on the show, you had written seven books and I had two. So what yeah. is the count now? How many have you written now? Uh, I have written 11. Uh, the the 10th one should come in November this month and uh-huh. 11th in February next year. Okay, so this one is the ninth. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Because I now have five of your books. Mm, so good. first time it was 7-2. Now it's, if you don't count 11, the ones five. that are coming, yeah, but the, you cannot <laughs> buy those two. So now it's 9-5. Yeah, that's, that's true, that's true. That's <laughs> so true. catching up slowly but surely. You are, you are, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, I mean, for me, I'm uh, also very interested in this uh, this samurai mindset, and it comes from this one mm. as well. Yeah, 19, 1980, James Clavell Shogun became a TV series, and they were shown it two times on Swedish television, in 1984 yeah. and 1991. And I was thinking when I saw it, but I, it must have been 1991 because I still remember it. And 84, I was just a young puppy, so I was six years old. So 91, I must have been when I saw it. And you saw Shogun as well in uh, in your, yes. your former Yugoslavia. Yeah, it was also around 84, uh, but I'm a little bit older than you are. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, maybe you saw the first time. I was yeah. nine. I was yeah. nine. Yeah. And uh, it was really, it made such impression for me. First, it was fun and interesting in... in uh, you know the action but it was almost like fantasy but then i heard uh, because it was very popular for a period of certain period of time and uh, but when i read about it i could uh, read that it was based on uh, on uh, real uh, people uh, they call this uh, toronaga uh, the shogun but uh, it's based on tokugawa uh, Tokugawa Ieyasu, who, who is the last of the three big uh, unifiers of Japan, mm. the one who the one who was uh, ruling the Tokugawa or ruling for the last, I don't know, a couple of hundred years in Japan until the Meiji Restoration. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And the ninjas and samurai and all that <laughs> Absolutely. stuff. Yeah, I remember those uh, things as well when the ninjas were coming. It's so, so interesting. Um, so after watching this, you became obsessed with karate and I found a Japanese wife. So we got influenced in a different ways. Yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> Had you already started with karate before Shogun or do you think Shogun inspired you to start with karate? 
I think Shogun inspired me to start with karate. Mm. I, and I think it was shown 81 or 82 in ex-Yugoslavia. Mm. Okay. Um, but, uh, and I wanted to start like immediately. But, but I, I think I was eight years old when I, when I started. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I found my Japanese wife much later than, than after I was Shogun. But yeah, uh, anyway. So, um, uh, have you seen the Shogun lately? Like, or have you seen it after? After, yes. Uh, it was around uh, uh, 99, I think. Okay. I've, seen, yeah. I've seen through it again. Yeah. And I read the book a uh, couple of times also. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I tr- uh, when I met my wife about 10 years ago, I tried to watch it again. But we didn't watch the whole, uh, the whole series, actually, because it's actually quite slow. Like, I don't know, nowadays the TV shows are much yeah, yeah, faster. Yeah. So. Different tempo. Totally <laughs> different, different tempo, tempo. yeah. And I haven't read, even though I have the book, I haven't read this one, but I run, read the sequel, uh, which is like 200 years later, uh, when Guy Jin, it's called. So it's mm-hmm. uh, sim- similar. He comes, another guy comes to Japan 200 years later, which is also quite interesting. So uh, for the listeners, if you haven't uh, read James Clavel or seen this, it's quite interesting because he really describes the culture in a really interesting way. So. Yeah. Uh, so this inspired you. Uh, uh, so samurai mindset. What? How would you define a samurai mindset? Well, I uh, I decided to write this book like uh, when we talked before. You mentioned this that generally, and that's true. That generally my books are very practically oriented. I they I usually put a lot of exercises uh, and the idea behind. Uh, my approach to mental training that I call Budo mental training is that mind and body are, uh, are the two aspects of the same whole. So when uh, then the body is uh, giving immediate feedback about the state of mind. And um, for that reason, the books I'm, I'm writing are, and me as a person also, I always want to experience things on my own. And when it comes to the matters of mind, it doesn't matter if it's philosophy or even uh, metaphysics or religion. It, it's it's usually about imagining, thinking, feeling, but the body is usually left out. But but what I really learned about uh, Japanese martial arts is that the body is uh, really changes changing its uh, how would I say its balance, its level of t- tension and relaxation, its reaction time. Um, its density, almost the the, um, the weight distribution, all of these things uh, work differently depending on what kind of mindset or mental attitude you have. And this, because I'm quite a skeptical person, this became very interesting to me because I could immediately get uh, concrete feedback uh, through my body from. Uh, about the different states of mind and how they affect my body. So suddenly the mental training uh, for me became something very concrete, practical um, and, uh, and uh, down to earth. And for this reason, when, I'm, when I write uh, books, generally I always back up what I write with concrete examples so the person who reads the book can experience it on their own. Uh, and I put a lot of, in the lack of better word, I put a lot of pride in it because it means that I, I never say, when I, when I teach mental training, I never say something that I cannot back up and that the person 
I'm teaching cannot uh, experience on their own. So they don't need to trust me. They just need to trust their own experience. And, uh, but this book is different because, um, like you said, after I have written, uh, I don't know, seven, eight books with this practical approach, I have noticed that things started to change a little bit during the last 15 years because now I have a, a, quite a lot of material which is showing the Mai or Budo practical approach to mental training. Uh, but what people generally don't know is the background of these exercises, uh, which was not priority from the beginning. But now it's it's getting to become because if you uh, it's becoming because if you don't have the the background why we are doing this, then it's some people can almost interpret it like a party trick. And I have noticed when I have a when I have seminars or workshops that many people who come to those seminars are either those who want to learn for themselves but for the last couple of years it has been more and more people who work with similar things with mental training NLP whatever and I could really uh, feel that they were more interested in writing down my exercises than about practicing them for their own sake and this is totally wrong uh, approach because then suddenly it becomes like gathering things for your bag of tricks mm -hmm. instead of uh, deeply uh, investigating something and and uh, learning from your own experience which which is the which is the whole point mm -hmm. and uh, that attitude is really the opposite of what I represent uh, so I felt the need to to describe the background of Buddha mental training, which mm. is, in this case, samurai mindset. Okay. okay. Yeah, no, it's like uh, reading lots of books on the physical exercise and think your muscles are going to get bigger and just like, yeah. adding more and more books and then more and more training methods, but you need to train. And it's the same with what you're teaching. I, I, yes, I exactly. And, and the reason, and the reason I call it Buddha mental training to, to, to emphasize the background from uh, from, pra from practical um, body-based approach to mental mm. training is that it's so easy to talk, mm. it's so easy to to sound smart and to to sell seminars to people and you know but but my approach is based on inspiration that I have had from certain teachers in karate and aikido and judo who really made impression but these guys uh, i mean taiji kaze who who, who was uh, my teacher in karate he he brought karate to europe in 1960s and he he had like uh, he was old uh, over 70 and he he was overweight big time he had a a uh, piece of uh, grenade in his hip and water in his lungs uh, uh, and had a heart attack that he recovered from. But when he was teaching, nobody doubted uh, the, his ability in uh, relaxing and how explosive his techniques were and his focus and passion mm -hmm. and commitment, they were like extremely inspiring. 
until the end of his life. So I guess that this really influenced me because these people that, that are my inspiration, they, are, they were for real, you know, until the end of their life. Uh, it wasn't only about selling and talking. Uh, they were living what they were teaching. Mm. And that is quite uh, Japanese as well, you know. To yes. Constantly yes. work and getting better. And, you know. um, yes. So uh, Bushido, you mentioned a little bit about Bushido. Can you share a little bit short about Bushido? Uh, no, I mentioned Budo. Uh, Bushido is the... You can I mean, in, in, in the book. Uh, it's, yeah, in the book, of course. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bushido is... Actually, it has never been written. It's unwritten uh, oral code, uh, traditional code of, of uh, summarize values and uh, rules and behaviors that, that never were written down, uh, in a, but it was orally transmitted uh, from, from uh, parents to their children uh, within samurai families. And uh, you could... Uh, it was it was a lot about you know honor about courage about loyalty about compassion uh, and these qualities were uh, important for a warrior because it's not only about fighting because it's very very thin line between warrior and uh, and murder you know mm -hmm. and and uh, if you have a feudal system which is quite primitive way of organizing society and this feudal system was based on the military uh, rule where where the ruling class were warriors and this means this meant also practically like 800 years of uh, civil war in japan they, they, they were always uh, attacking each other and challenging each other and so on but which in, in and of itself is quite hellish environment to live at uh, for everybody. Um, but they, they still tried to, I think, both to create some kind of functioning society and also to, to protect their minds and their souls from becoming uh, deformed mm. and 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 sick uh, so so they needed to to balance the the violent part of of the warrior call with other stuff that that like like poetry like uh, uh, calligraphy uh, like uh, compassion and so on to to to, to be able to to be a warrior instead of murder. Mm. And I think I, I, I added one of those uh, sayings from Japan, a murderer controls and masters his weapon, his weapons, and the warrior controls and masters himself. Mm. Excellent. And uh, I say it himself, but I mentioned in the book, the, the, la the latest uh, archeological findings uh, prove that more than 30% of samurai warriors who fought and died in uh, different battles were women. The history doesn't really give them uh, the credit for that, but uh, archaeological findings are showing that 
like one third of all warriors of all mm. warriors who 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 fought and died were women. Mm, interesting. Mm. Yeah. No, I asked uh, Aki, my wife, about uh, Bushido if she was taught this at home or in school or in, like in a formal setting, and she said exactly like you said that uh, it, it was part of the upbringing. But not like in a formal way, but that's just how how we lived. You know? <laughs> like, mm. uh, even though she grew up in Brazil, she most of her school years, or maybe half of her school years, was in a Japanese school in Brazil, and at home it was Japan. And she said, "My father lived like this. You know, this is this is. Uh, it's, it's not like uh, yeah. It didn't he didn't give me a book about this, but this was you know like oral oral tradition at home. So exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so yeah." The, you mentioned the warrior mastering uh, oneself, and uh, Carl Jung has these archetypes. You know, the the king, the yeah. lover, the magician, and the warrior. And yes. uh, so, what do you think is the role of the warrior in the modern modern society? Well, the, if you look at archetypes and the, the Carl Jung's uh, theory of archetypes, uh, that's we could say that's uh, we we need to mention also. Uh, the the term of subconscious and collective subconscious uh, because Jung is like uh, from the beginning from the start uh, the student of Freud and subconscious is the part of our mind that is governing most of our life which means subconscious is taking care of our uh, survival physically that I I don't consciously choose that my heart will continue beating or that my lungs will uh, continue breathing or that my stomach digests the food all of this is controlled by subconscious subconscious also controls our, uh, my emotions because sometimes i consciously don't want to feel certain emotion but i feel it anyway because it's outside of my conscious control sometimes i want to feel some emotions but they don't come just because i want to because it's outside of my conscious control habits are controlled by subconscious because uh, when we practice something for a, for a longer period of time, after a while we learn it by heart, not by mind, which means it becomes embodied, and then the body can produce that that we have mastered in and of itself. Um, and also, one important part of the subconscious is that um, it's a memory bank. All the things we have learned and we remember them without the need to revive them all the time consciously it doesn't matter if it's the name of the book or the, the title or the name of the yeah the content of a spo uh, poem and so on but for me the most important aspect of subconscious is the will to live we don't consciously need to uh, persuade ourselves to continue living there is subconscious will uh, intention to 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 survive and to keep on living and and to to have friends and to have partner and to have children for most people and so on. So, and one part of this, and, and Jung was talking about the subconscious, but collective subconscious, which means that a general human subconscious that has certain blueprints uh, that we are born with and that are governing our, our goals and, and what we strive for in life. And, uh, but also that, that are common for all humans, no matter what kind of, uh, what, what part of the world they are, they're coming from. But then he talked about uh, like uh, 
as, as you mentioned, king, magician, lover, and warrior. And warrior archetype or warrior human blueprint has the role of being brave, being honest and being brave. To evoke warrior archetype is giving you, uh, it's about having self-discipline. It's about having perseverance. It's about being patient. It's about putting your mission before yourself. It's about committing yourself to certain goal that you are prepared to, to live for and to die for. Uh, and be, because being a warrior, it's never, never fighting for your ego's sake. It's finding some purpose that is worth living for and that is worth dying for. Mm. And when being brave enough and to have this self-discipline and perseverance to keep pursuing this goal that you perceive as worthy and valuable, uh, that you put everything else aside. Mm. Yeah. This is uh, how I use the warrior archetype myself, actually. I have a warrior corner in my, in my home. When I feel uh, I get lazy and don't do what I think, I go to my warrior corner and I kind of like get into my personal warrior and uh, I use it to take action, basically, to, to persevere, mm. to, to, to take my, the next step. And yeah, that's I, good that you say the warrior acts. Mm. Warrior acts. Warrior, don't just talk. Warrior acts. I have two things in my warrior corner. This is uh, uh, Viking. A, yeah, oh. it's a Viking uh, <laughs> that I got when I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. I was on a sailing uh, camp. And uh, the last day, it was very tough weather. Uh, so most of the people, I, I, me and my friend, we got silver and bronze for the whole week. But that day it was really tough and stormy. And a lot of boats turned over and uh, capsized, basically. So uh, but me and my friend, we, we persevered. So at the end, we got this. So this one reminds me that, you know, Beautiful. even if it's stormy, I use this one. And as you know, I'm also into martial arts. I've been training martial arts most of my life, but uh, more Chinese martial arts and also Filipino martial arts. And uh, my instructor in the Filipino martial arts gave me this one. Uh, mm. Kill them, <laughs> suck them in. Yeah, he's a warrior. <laughs> so this one is also in my warrior corner. So. Uh, <laughs> Subtle. Yeah. Such a message. <laughs> yeah, such a message. So, yeah, no, I think that the modern warrior, yeah, like you're saying, these things are attributes that we all need sometimes during those tough times to, uh, yeah, all those things that you mentioned, I think. Yeah, to tap into, especially in, in difficult periods, in, in, in difficult times, uh, when, when we doubt ourselves, when it's, when, when we, then we need all our focus all our will all our energy uh, to 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 gather it and and to use it in a in a focused way mm -hmm. to overcome uh, it doesn't matter if you are fighting with loneliness or with the feeling of uh, being worthless or having economical problems or health issues or your loved one is struggling with health issues and these things are really difficult to to withstand and to, to be able to to come through it yeah. uh, then the warrior archetype is really good to tap into yeah i, I used it a lot last year because <laughs> last mm. year was a very tough year for me so yes, uh, yes. That, uh, so that brings me to the next thing you had this concept one to ten and we we talked a little bit about it i think in the not a, yeah maybe last episode but yeah this thing that uh, what is a ten for you and what is a one for you Oh, yeah. it's it's a it's like a 
just one way to try to show to show what uh, what uh, actually what we just said in what circumstances warrior archetype is the most uh, appropriate and for me it is if you to explain it like visually i i ask people to imagine a scale from between one and ten where the one is like vacation everything is going well and smooth and 10 is like worst case scenario where nothing is going well or smooth. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, for, for, um, for me, my clients, I, I always uh, encourage them to have attitude of mindset of practicing for 10, which means preparing for handling, being able to handle worst case scenario because when you can do that, when you have practiced for that, practiced for 10, for the level 10, then if you need to handle level seven, which is quite difficult situation, still not worst case scenario, but quite difficult situation, challenging situation, then you have margins on your side. You, 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 have, you, are, you have trained for 10, so seven shouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you in your everyday life only have practiced for handling and managing normal problems which in this in our example would be level five between one and ten like some kind of normal general level then problems of level seven can already uh, be experienced as too too hard and too overwhelming mm, yeah uh, maybe 10 years ago or uh, when I started my own company after one year I had quite a tough time I'll probably put it on a 7 or an 8 on that scale and that was before I had started uh, with mental training I started the uh, Unistall course maybe one or two years after uh, I had already been interested in these kind of things like personal development stuff but I've been reading the, the surface stuff you know like Tony Robbins right these kind of like self-help books and uh, I and it was really really tough but last year was much tougher it was probably a nine maybe close to a ten actually for me but thanks to all these things that uh, that you were talking about and Unistola were talking about um, I felt okay to, to go through it so mm. it's uh, interesting and um, I remember I, I don't remember exactly when it was but I, you you had some water leak in your apartment was it a couple of months ago or something or uh, yeah it was uh, yeah exactly it was yeah. like almost a year ago yeah and i sent you something like oh i'm so so sorry that must be really tough and your reply was like bro i've been through war this is nothing yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. it's like, so that's yeah. like you've been through it yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and uh, so when you can handle a attempt <laughs> then the water leak becomes quite uh, simple you know? so, yes oh, yes <laughs> yeah. really it's a, like yeah yeah i forgot that what i remember when you said that yes so uh, yeah, aging, getting sick, and and death. We I, last time we spoke, you asked, "What are you learning about now?" And that's that was something you were like getting into a little bit. You said, "I think maybe not last time, maybe the time before." And you have a little bit about this in Samurai Mindset. I want to share a little bit about this. Like, how do you prepare for these things that will happen to us, to all yeah. of us? Yes, uh, yes, um, you know. Um sickness old age and death are inevitable parts of of human existence and uh, also inevitable part of have always been inevitable part of warrior everyday reality and uh, this this is why i mentioned them in this samurai mindset book and um, well if if you really 
if if you think about it so it means that that the body is already doomed uh, for, for that because sooner or later it will get sick and sooner or later it, if we are lucky enough it will get old uh, not everybody get to live that long and uh, and it will uh, it will uh, end so for me the uh, thinking about i mean accepting these things and really looking deep into these realities of life for me it's inevitable to start looking for some spiritual aspect of our existence and uh, and uh, and uh, not being content with looking at myself only as a material being because the material part is really very limited and very vulnerable uh, so uh, to 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 get to take in these facts of life uh, for me has automatic effect of uh, looking into the not wasting time focusing on what, what's the meaning of my life what 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 do i want to achieve uh, or to experience or while while i'm still here uh, not taking for granted that if i have health now uh, how what am i doing with my health uh, am i uh, you know and, and suddenly it becomes all this stuff that other people talk about like how you eat, how you sleep, what habits you have and all of this. But it's not like you do it because you should or some clever person said, but it becomes very basic. It is all about, okay, I cannot take any of these things for granted. And, uh, but if I have it now, what's the use of it if I don't do anything with it? Uh, I think it was Mark Twain who said, a person who cannot read books, who is an alphabet, and the person... Who can read but doesn't read they are on the same level and and i would say it's the same the person who who is healthy and uh, who is uh, uh, whose body and mind are working well and the person who is very sick and uh, or ill and that person's almost i know on dying if the person who is healthy is not using his body and mind in any constructive way then he is on the same level as somebody who is terminally ill. Mm, yeah. So it's almost like death becomes a tool that you use. Like it you... becomes uh, it becomes a drive. It becomes mm, motivation. Mm, mm. Yeah. I, I don't have time for stupid things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and um, uh, as you may know, my, my mom passed away last year. So uh, yes. there was a lot of interesting... Uh, uh, yeah, thoughts and talk about these things, of course, for me and for my family. And uh, what's interesting is, uh, as you know, I live quite an international life. So I have friends all over the world. And in other parts of the world, religion is much bigger than in Sweden. And I think uh, religion, those people that have religion have kind of an acceptance of death in a different way. So I noticed that some, uh, some like Muslim friends and the Christian friends that uh, they're like, yeah, I mean, this is part of life, you know. Whereas uh, here in Sweden, we, in our sec secular values, that, that these things, uh, we, I don't know, we, 
but oh, at, at, at the same time i think i emphasize that in the in the samurai mindset that i would i i would uh, n uh, make a nuance between religion uh, is not covering the whole spirituality it is different religions they are covering different ways but i i think i mentioned uh, in the book uh, in in samurai mindset uh, i i mentioned for example shamanism mm. Uh, also uh, Taoism, which are not, they are called isms by Western scholars, but actually these, these were ways of, of human spirituality before, but when humans were living in small tribes and every tribe, because they had to struggle with sickness and death and old age and injury and so on, people were naturally uh, living with nature, nature and of nature, and uh, as a part of nature. And uh, I don't mean any uh, romant romanticizing, ju just like a fact, uh, because it was necessary for our survival. And all of this, what, for example, my Michael Herner, uh, Dr. Michael Herner noticed, and many other anthropologists, is that if you look at uh, Tungusians, tribe in Siberia, and if you compare with, for example, um, um, people in, uh, in Amazonas, or you compare it with uh, Samic traditions in Sweden, uh, you, you, you will be very surprised how similar uh, their practices are, even though they never met each other. So spirituality has existed for many, many, many thousand years. Uh, many hundred thousands years longer than those religions that we have done and that we have today and i wouldn't uh, and i wouldn't uh, take anything from religions but it just feels important to say that religions are certain ways of organizing spirituality based on ge geography and culture and language but spirituality is much bigger than religions mm. yeah. So okay. why I'm telling this is people in Sweden, they are secular, but doesn't mean that they lack spirituality. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, and, you know, that's, that is true. Um, but that brings me to my next thing, because uh, I was maybe a little bit surprised uh, about uh, that chapter. You, you were talking about, uh, so the, the, the third, uh, the Jungian archetype, the magician. You were talking about shamanism and the magic. And uh, I, I live sometime in Indonesia. And in Indonesia, you have like black magic everywhere, like magic hitam, like, you, you know, these kind of things. So yeah. I was a bit surprised to see Igor writing. I, I didn't know that, because I see you as very like uh, science, rational. So I, yes, I didn't yes. know this side of you. So uh shamanism and uh, yeah you want to share a little bit about about this yes um like i mentioned uh, i i was interesting in i was always interesting in courage uh, and i was very curious about how you get courage and i noticed from, from my own experience as as a, as a child that uh when i started with karate and then i started to compete and so on i i i could feel a lot of courage sometimes but it didn't stay with me always. Sometimes I felt a lot very spirited, but then uh, when I had to fight against somebody who was older, stronger, or more, more, uh, uh, or better in, in, in fighting, more skillful, then courage would leave me when I needed it most, 
maybe I didn't always show it, but inside I, I felt it very clearly. And uh, I understood. And also for a certain period of time, I was uh, mixing up courage with anger because anger is like a drug. When, when I felt very, very angry, then uh, I felt like uh, anger could chase away fear because it's such a strong feeling. And, but the, the problem was that if I, I needed to stay angry most of the time, and okay, that, that, that takes away fear, but it makes you totally unfunctional in everyday life because it's like nobody, nobody feels good spending time with you, including myself. Uh, nobody felt good spending time with me, including with myself included. So the anger was not like long-term strategy. So this led to, and I always consulted books uh, because generally this, this, this subjects and these matters, people in my surroundings, uh, they, they, they usually don't reflect on this stuff at all. So, so, but thank God there are libraries and, um, and then I started to read and I read about Samurai's uh, way of uh, how they handle the, the matters of spirit and mind. And then I read about first about Zen and Buddhism and uh, it's like uh, uh, pr practical approach to Mahayana Buddhism. Uh, and I read about different kinds, Soto and Rinzai and so on. And I read, and, but I also read later that uh, it was a popular way of, uh, describing samurai spirituality uh, through Zen, that it was not so, uh, it was not represented to that level uh, because samurai existed for uh, like almost thousand years in, in, in Japan history and Zen came uh, like 600 years later. So what did they have then? And then I read about Shinto uh, and Shinto could be, you can see a lot of overlapping uh, with like, uh, because it's about nature and it's about spirits in nature. So you, uh, to understand it better, I read about shamanism to understand Shinto better. And I read about Taoism, which is like Tao is Chinese way. Xi and Tao uh, is Shinto in Japanese, uh, like the way of gods. But the gods or kamis, they are not like the gods uh, in that way, but more more uh, like different uh, Different, different beings uh, that, that because in, in Shinto way, in Shinto approach, everything is spirited. Everything has, everything has spiritual side. It's just that you need to practice your ability to feel it, to, to be able to see it. Um, and when I see see it, I don't always mean physically. Uh, but the, the information about this stuff has been limited. Uh, you know, Japan is far away from Europe and also I'm older guy. So now we have internet, but at that time it was only libraries. Uh, uh, but then I started to read more about shamanism because it was more, more material about it. And also in Sweden, I read about um, Swedish approach or, or Nordic approach to shamanism. I was also researching Christianity a lot uh, because uh, I'm, I can see the aspect of uh, I know it sounds contradictory, but there is a lot of warrior approach in Christianity, which means uh, if we look at this commitment, but it's more uh, commitment to love where, 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 where people were ready to sacrifice their own lives because of their commitment to their, to their faith. 
Um, and of course, this is not uh, special only for Christians. You can see this in Judaism, you can see this in Islam also. Um, but because I, I spend most of my time in a Christian country, so I, could, I, I had most access to, to Christian literature. Um, but the, the idea is to understand, summarize, and their, their belief. Then, then I had to read about magic and about, uh, in Swedish it's called folk true, uh, like people's beliefs. Uh, which which are not schooled by any religion, but what they learned from their surroundings and so on. And this is what uh, I needed to understand to to be able to understand the courage, different ways to feel the courage. Mm. So these uh, metaphysical things. That, do you have any practice when it comes to this that you use, or was it just uh, interesting to learn about it, or have you? Uh, yeah, it, what are your experience with this? Yeah, I'm not really, I, I guess that I'm very, I, I write in the book also that the, the, the magical approach to things uh, is about commitment. Like the, when, when the healer is, the healer is putting his or her life uh, on, the, on the line to save the person they are trying to heal. And the person, the, the patient is, is, uh, the, the thing is that the patient needs to feel that somebody is going all the way with them uh, and in and, and putting their, their life and committing themselves to do everything in their power to, to, to save them. Mm. To do this, you have to, you have to be very brave. You cannot do it. Uh, you, you cannot fake this. Uh, and um, I understand in our modern society, we have, all these uh, drugs and medicines that we can use. And of course, I'm very grateful for that and uh, dentist and all of, you know, but if you imagine a situation where you don't have this, then, then the part of your human experience that they, you, you have to develop much more is the area of mind, area of commitment, area of, of faith, uh, because this is what you have. The, the when you don't have things around you that you can use in in of course they had herbs and 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 stuff that that i'm that, that they had uh, like profound knowledge of uh, but it's still not the same as as uh, you know getting the 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 shot of cortisol if you have uh, problems mm. with your shoulder or whatever mm. yeah. so um so so this is this is what really interests me. But I never really felt, for me, this black magic or whatever. It is about like, it has a, it has the opposite approach from from samurai approach because samurai approach is putting putting your worthy goal first mm. instead of thinking about how you can uh, make use for your own sake of things around you. Instead of that, you have, a, you have something that's worth living for and that's worth dying for. So it's, for me, I, I always approach it from the aspect of, of in, increasing the courage. Uh, and uh, and these dark arts or black magic or whatever, it is the opposite. It is about how can I use 
certain things or, or knowledge to increase for myself and taking away from others. Mm-hmm. So it's the opposite from being ready to, to, sacrifice your, to sacrifice yourself for something that's worth living for. Okay. So that's why it's totally uninteresting. Yeah. Okay. For me, uh, for me, the, the, the that's the other archetype that I work. With. So I had a like warrior corner, and then I have a magician corner. So for me, the warrior is out taking action, planting seeds. Yes. Whereas the the magician is the one that uh, kind of attracts and uh, reaps the rewards. So when my thoughts, actions, and emotions are aligned, and I do my warrior, I'm out doing things, but I do it with the right mindset. The magician is the one that sits back and kind of reaps the rewards and attract. Because if I do a lot of actions, but my emotions are not in line, it doesn't, like I've seen it in, in sales situations, for example, I used to manage salespeople that work on commission. And when they take a lot of actions, but they're worried about commission, they didn't get the rewards because the clients were kind of, like they could kind of sense it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the client felt incongruence. Uh, exactly. They are not putting their heart into it because they do yeah. the right things, but their, their heart is not backing it up. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I, the, I think there's a place for the magician as well in, in, in that, in the archetype sense, you know, like the warriors are doing what the magician is, you know. Uh, and, and this is exactly what summarized were doing. They, they understood that when they are on a battlefield, they, they have to be 100% congruent because going forward, uh, like in, 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 a, in a battle, and at the same time, uh, looking backwards and hoping that uh, uh, you you won't get injured or whatever is the most uh, certain way to to get killed because mm-hmm. you, your body is going forward but your mind is looking for the ways how to avoid the whole thing and then then you do it without energy then you do it without commitment and then you are like victim of the mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned that uh, this book was a little bit like the theory behind your method, but I also see it as uh, inspiration and motivation yeah, yeah. because I, I think inspiration is important. Like in your previous book, Strong in the Inside, there's an app that is uh, attached to it that you can download and listen to Igor. And I went through the whole training method, and uh, when you do, you you feel better. But if you buy the book and you don't and you not don't have the inspiration to do it and you don't do it then nothing happens. So I think exactly. the, the, the role of the book can also act as inspiration to be your warrior and, you know, <laughs> go out and do it. So. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 correct description. Yes, okay. I agree. Inspiration is important as well. Uh, so I want to leave the book a little bit and move on to, um, you have a, a, a job or a part-time job maybe at, uh, as a mental coach for Faroe Islands, or what is your title for the yeah, football? Yeah, men- football? yeah. Men- mental. mental coach for a national, uh, male national uh, football team. Yeah, so we have listeners all around the world. So Faroe Islands is a small island nation, uh, 53,000 inhabitants, uh, uh, and uh, uh, 14 professional football players in the team, and the rest, I think, are working somewhere. Yes, yes, yes. The rest have day jobs. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, you wrote the book, Learning How to Lose. And mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, Faroe Islands, I mean, it's a small nation, 53,000 people. It's like a small town in, in Sweden. And yes. uh, you're co- sometimes competing against Portugal, France, Spain, the big, big league. So, so how do you work with, with a team like this? And when you know that the opponents are like, you know that they are better. You know? 
Yeah, we know they are bigger and we know that they have more money and we know that they have more experience playing in, in big leagues and, uh, you know, like uh, Premier League, like Bundesliga, uh, Superliga in Denmark and so on. So they have more experience, more money, better, better payment, uh, more equipment and, uh, and uh, that is true. And they come, they have also usually bigger bench. Uh, so they are they are they are not they are not uh, dependent. If they are, if I mean if some good players get injured, they have other good players to replace them. Uh, it's not like injuries are always a important aspect. But the, the the bigger the country, the more good players they have, and they, they are less affected by that. They have uh, substitutes who are as good. Mm, yeah, usually. of course, yeah. Uh, and the Faroe Islands, you know, the size matters, uh, mm-hmm. not uh, not only in football. <laughs> and uh, and and uh, but then we have to look at what we have, and what we have is we have people who are who have a very uh, special culture, where where they have they have they've been living on a couple of rocks for like hundreds and hundreds of years. And then to do that, you have to be, of course, you have to be tough. You have to be a survivor. But also one important aspect of survival is not wasting energy. And this is the the, the theme that I really appreciate in all Nordic cultures, um, which is about not wasting energy on unnecessary conflicts, uh, being very good in cooperating with each other, not allowing uh, emotions to take over to the extent of, of uh, getting uh, enemy with people without any particular reason. It's also about uh, showing respect to each other. And all these things, for me, they are like uh, general for, for Nordic cultures. And I really love Nordic cultures for that Scandinavia. And, uh, and I could really see it like extra in Faroe Islands. Also, um, so one thing we have is we have fantastic unity in our team. It doesn't matter if you have a guy who, who is invited for the first time to play with national team and practice with other guys. And at the same time, you have a guy who has been a member of national team for more than 10 years and, or a couple of those guys. But it doesn't matter. Everybody is getting equally treated. Uh, I, I have not for two years. I never felt that somebody is pushed aside. Or, or treated with less respect or less consideration or less care. Mm. It's fantastic, fantastic unity. And uh, the guys are free with each other. They are open, they joke and everything. But at the same time, they take care of each other to the extent that I'm sure that most of other teams uh, would be jealous if they knew how, how safe and open uh, we are with each other. Mm. Uh, that's one strong thing another strong thing is they are extremely extremely brave and hard workers mm. i i never need to i i never uh, i i never need to put a lot of energy or almost any energy to encourage them to be never out of a fight they 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 embrace every game they embrace every fight and they don't give up until the end of the game it doesn't matter what the result is. Uh, they, they play uninterruptively 
uh, and strive to do the best they can. And I am mm. so, so proud of them. Mm. Uh, so in, in, if you look at these two qualities, then it's like a Christmas gift to be a mental trainer for that kind of people mm. because they have the most, two most important things. Mm. They are brave and hard workers on one hand, and they, they respect each other and are willing, willful to cooperate with each other. Nice. So it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. And I think with Nations League, you get to play the other nations that are similar size. You had yes, yes. You you won several games, I believe. We right? won. Uh, we we didn't lose. You didn't lose at all in the. No, no. no. Since since Hokan since Hokan became the uh, national coach, mm. it, which was two years ago, we we didn't lose a game uh, in Nations League, and this mm. is why we are moved to next level. So next year, mm. when we play Nations League again, we pay, play against bigger nations oh, okay. than ourselves. Oh, interesting. And we were one of the smallest nations in the smallest group, the Group D, mm. because we had like Latvia, who still has, I think, 2 million people, mm. and we have like 50,000. Mm -hmm. mm. uh, even Malta had like ha uh, half a million or mm. 500,000, I think, mm. or something. Mm. But we are 50,000. So. Mm. The other smallest nation, most of them are larger than we are. Andorra, I think, has 100,000. We have okay. half as many okay, okay. people. Uh, but now we will play against countries that are much bigger because, that, because of the good result that we made in Group D. Now we are moved up to Group C. So now it's a tougher opponent, even tougher yeah. opponents. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And as we're recording this uh, next week, you're getting ready to play play two two games, right? That, was it Denmark? Yes, and... against Denmark and Israel, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I wish you all the best for that. You almost uh, scored a point against Denmark a couple of yeah. months, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, right? yeah. a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Also against Scotland, the same story. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, that must be a fun journey. And also I've seen your nice videos from uh, Faroe Islands, uh, on Facebook, so it looks like a really interesting place. I can tell you it's a great country and fantastic people. Mm, yeah, excellent. So, yeah, we're uh, coming to the end of the show, and uh, I normally ask you, what are you learning now? What are you, what is capturing Igor's attention now? Uh, well, at this moment, I'm focused on uh, two things. Now it's getting colder, so I'm uh, try, I'm striving to take my cold training on another level. Wim Hofing. Uh, uh -huh. what yeah. is the, I mean, I've seen you, when I do my uh, dips, I do go in and out, but you swim. So what is the next level from that? Yeah, the next, I have, I have, a, I have a goal actually. I, and my mm. goal is because I work in Faroe Islands and they always have like, they have this, all these islands and there is a, usually a stable temperature of water, which is around six degrees Celsius. Okay. And uh, I intend, uh, I didn't decide 100%, but I intend to to swim between these islands. Oh, uh, nice. uh, I don't think anybody, I, I think what I heard, one doctor has done it, but then he had, he got hypothermia and he, they had to put him uh, uh, in hospital oh, for a long time. Uh, uh, but I, of course, I want to do it without hypothermia. Uh, yeah, uh, without the uh, need yeah, for uh, yeah. medical attention later. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a nice goal. Then, yeah, that, then you're really pushing it. Mm, yeah, but it, you know, it's like six years since I started with this, so it's mm. slowly uh, increasing the the the, the, the lab level of proficiency and the skill. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
So did you do your Wim Hof this morning? You did, your meditation, I know you did this morning. But did you yeah, do yeah, a... I don't do I don't do Wim Hof. I he he is fantastic inspiration for me, mm-hmm. but I don't uh, I don't really like his breathing. Mm-hmm. I I use mine because uh, this fully in, let go, fully in, let go. It it is creating a feeling of tension mm-hmm. inside, yeah. and uh, as you probably know. When we talked before, uh, relaxation, focus, and breathing are extremely important for me. So, mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm experimenting with. Uh, I, I tried his way, and I did it mm-hmm. for like first one or two years. But I usually felt uh, a little bit dizzy and quite mm-hmm. uncomfortable mm-hmm. after yeah. I done it for half an hour or an hour. Mm-hmm. So uh, I haven't been doing it for the last three years. Yeah, actually, I stopped as well uh, after. I mean, I interviewed Anders Olsson several times on the show, mm. uh, and uh, he's the, the Swedish breathing experts. Uh, and if you're international, he was the guy that was in Breath by James Nestor. And uh, after I talked to him, I stopped doing Wim Hof. I only do it when I feel that I'm getting a cold, like uh, mm. to get to like boost the immune system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but otherwise, I also do like longer out. Than yeah, the, I like the longer part. Yeah, yeah. it feels uh, it feels better. Yeah, but yeah, maybe for the cold is so. It's, yeah. Anyway, interesting. So maybe we talk about that next time. Uh, maybe we can do a live show when you're swimming between the islands and Faroe and Faroe Islands. That would be amazing. So, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. So this episode will be released after your. Uh, competition with Denmark and Israel but I wish you all the best and uh, it was Thank great you talking to you as always and yeah so five books nine 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 done five red uh, and two are coming so yeah I guess it is speed up Igor is writing books faster than I can read them thank you so much a pleasure talking to you thank you Oscar it's always a pleasure so there you go the fourth episode with Igor and I so if you want to develop a samurai mindset I rec- recommend you to buy Igor's book and also his previous book Strong on the Inside and when you buy Strong on the Inside it's also a must to download the app with mental training and then go through, through the whole program this is the only way to see change to actually do something with this material as mentioned before I recommend that you listen to all four conversations I have had with Igor and try to find something to implement from each episode then use your warrior and samurai and take action and implement into your life. Uh, you'll find the link to some of the books that Igor has done in the show notes to this episode. Uh, most of the books are actually in Swedish, some are in English. But just click the link and you'll see several of, Igor, several of Igor's books. As always, follow Strategic Tech Coaching on Instagram, uh, Strategic Tech Coaching, and same thing on YouTube, just search for Strategic Tech Coaching. And yes, I hope to see you somewhere around the world. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast with your host, Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.